0: Africa Rights Talk, a Center
1: for Human Rights podcast series. Welcome to the conversation. Hello, everyone. My name is Tariro Segramai. I am an LOM candidate at the Center for Human Rights at the University of Pretoria. I also work for the Democracy and Civic Engagement Unit at the Center for Human Rights. I'll be having a conversation with Bonolo Makale. Please
0: may you introduce yourself, Bonolo. Thank you, Tariro. My name is Bonolo Makale, and I am a program manager of the Democracy and Civic Engagement Unit at the Center for Human Rights. Thank you, Bonolo. The conversation that we'll be having this morning is a contribution to the
1: Take for Rights campaign, which is the current campaign being run by the Center for Human Rights, which looks at the impact of new technologies on different aspects of human interaction, as well as the impact of new technologies on human rights. One of the main missions of the Democracy and Civic Engagement Unit and a key part of our work is to develop strong and direct democracies in Africa, as well as amplify the citizen voice. One of the ways that African citizens are amplifying their voices is through the use of social media as a tool for protest and activism, which brings us to our conversation and the topic of today's podcast, which is looking at social media as a tool of solidarity, protest and activism in Southern Africa, particularly looking at the case of Zimbabwe, South Africa and Eswatini. So as I've mentioned, internet access and social media use have increased in Africa. At the end of 2020, there were 230 Two million Facebook subscribers in Africa, making Facebook the platform of choice, followed closely by YouTube and Twitter as the most visited social media platforms. Africans use social media, much like the rest of the world, for social and personal reasons. Africans also use social media for work, and we have seen the rising popularity of social media-rooted careers. Social media has also been used as an alternative form of news. And we see another use of social media that is gaining popularity on the continent and the world over, which is social media as a tool for activism and protest. One will note, though, that this is not a completely new phenomenon on the continent, if we recall the Arab which were protests that were organized and gained amplification through the use of social media. Now, in the Southern African region, the use of social media as a tool for protests is a fairly new phenomenon, particularly in this region. Before we go into the use of social media as a tool of activism, protest and solidarity, it will be important for us to reflect on the nature of protests in this region before social media. That is a reflection on the pre- and post-apartheid era in South Africa, as well as the colonial and post-colonial era in Zimbabwe and Eswatini. And this will give us a picture of how the protest space has evolved through the use of social media. This brings me to my first question of the episode. Bonolo, may you give us a brief reflection of what the protest space looked like before social media? I
0: think as we reflect on the three countries in question, it is important for us to remember that the political, culture, legal, and civic space are quite different in all these three countries. South Africa transitioned from the apartheid era into a constitutional democracy where certain rights and freedoms are upheld and protected. Um, Zimbabwe, for example, gained independence and became a democratic state that can now be characterized as a constitutional dictatorship based on the veiled adherence of constitutional precepts like hosting regular elections. Eswadini, on the other hand, has been a monarchy since its uh, independence from colonial rule and remains the last absolute monarchy in Africa. Now, these differences present themselves uniquely in the political and civic engagement space, including the culture of protest. Now, if we think about South Africa, in particular, South Africa has a very rich culture of protest. You you recall, Terry that that um, dating back to apartheid era, some of the well-known protests that we saw then were the 1956 protests led by women. Um, they were protesting against the post law and the restriction of movement for black people. There was the 1960 protests again against the, the post law that led to the Sharpeville massacre. And also, I mean, we cannot reflect on the 1976 protest um, that was led by young black South Africans against the language policy, which was a mirror of things, of things to come. In Zimbabwe, the culture of protest, especially in the time during colonial and white minority rule, was not as rife as it is in the South African context. There were widespread protests in 19, 1960 against, or in the 1960s against, white minority rule sparked by a referendum in 1961. These protests eventually led to the banning of African political parties in then Rhodesia in 1962 in the post-colonial era, the culture of protest in Zimbabwe, which were traditionally lobbied by trade unions and opposition voices were subsided due to the repressive attack on protesters by security forces. In 1962, in in the post-colonial era as well, the culture of protests in Zimbabwe which were traditionally lobbied by trade unions and opposition voices have subsided due to the repressive attacks on protesters by, by security forces. And And Eswatini, the protest culture has not been as rife as in the other two states discussed. We saw the fighting of tribes in Eswatini in the Anglo-Boer Wars in the colonial era, after which Eswatini remained a British colony till independence in 1968. And subsequently, um, the Swati monarchy was established. Now, while there are no widely documented accounts of protests, protest action in Eswatini, what we saw as the nation of Eswatini being involved in the anti-apartheid protests in in the neighboring South Africa. But also in the modern day, we have seen demonstrations and strikes held during the 1990s and the 2000s to protest the slow pace of progress towards democratic change. We see these same calls continue in the nation, culminating in the most recent pro-democracy protests. That are, are currently happening in, in the As we go into the next section, what would you say has been a key
1: feature of the protest space in that? pre-social media era, if you will?
0: Well, I mean, one key feature we see in the protest behavior in these nations in particular is the violent response from state security agencies, which protesters are met with. Both physical violence from, well, it's both physical violence from law enforcement agents, such as the police, and legal violence where the law is used as a tool of repression, in the banning of political parties and prominent critical voices in the pre-democratic era. I mean we've seen this in all prominent uh, protests in Zimbabwe as well as Eswatini and the ease with which the army is deployed to quell unrest in these countries as opposed to to the neighboring um, South Africa. So I think I think what, what 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 stands out for me in all the three countries is literally how uh, protesters are met with violence from state security agencies. That reflects of the deployment of security
1: forces and the disproportionate violence and brutality that usually peaceful protesters have been met with, as you have reflected, has been said to have had a chilling effect on the civic space and the right to protest in these three countries. This brings us to the main topic of today's episode and to my next question. How then has social media changed the face of protests in this region?
0: Well, uh, statistics show that Southern Africa has the second highest social media penetration on the continent. We're looking at uh, approximately 41% placing, and this places the region as the second highest use of social media on the continent. The increased use and access to social media has subsequently given rise to a new form of protest and activism, what we could call a hybrid activism, right? Now, the use of social media has allowed for immediate an audience for issues affecting the region, amplifying the voices and issues at domestic level by bypassing international media news outlets, which would typically be the vehicle to report on, on these issues that, that affect the continent.
1: And as we reflect on the use of social media in this region, would you be able to give us a, a reflection of how this use has affected democracy, democratic ideals, and access to the civic space.
0: Well, I have one or two points here. I mean, social media has provided us with a platform for increased connectivity of protests. And what this looks like more pragmatically is that it has had an effect on the balance of power and provided a space to hold states accountable and bring them under public scrutiny. Beyond providing this increasingly connected space. Social media activism has raised awareness about abuses by, by states through the increased visibility of some of the human rights violations and state-sanctioned violence we see in this region, which may not have been the case in the era before social media due to censorship and the control narrative, especially in repressive states. Now, you know, repressive tactics that shrink civic space have now been outsmarted by, by social media. And, and, and secondly, I think what social media has done is that it has provided a platform to extend the civic space where access to rights such as freedom of expression, freedom of assembly and association are deepened and broadened beyond repressive regimes and has also become a platform to lobby for these rights. Also, Tariro, the hybrid nature of social media protests has also made this a space for, you know, effective organizing and political participation both online and offline I must add. We have seen instances of social media being used as a tool to organize protests on the ground while simultaneously running online protests. You know, we've also seen social media strengthening citizens' voices. While social media activism does not completely exempt activists from the repressive tactics of states, it has provided great autonomy for critical voices. Lastly, social media activism has also paved the way for a new form of pan-african solidarity similar to what we saw in the colonial era when African people united to assist each other in their respective fights against imperial and minority rule we see a similar approach through increased and almost instant unity that is fueled by social media activism if one reflects on the movements that have gained continental solidarity um you know just to mention a few there will be hashtag Hashtag um, anglophone crisis in Cameroon. Hashtag MSARS in Nigeria. Hashtag Zimbabwean Lives Matter in Zimbabwe. Hashtag am I next in South Africa. Hashtag justice for Tabani in Eswadini. And hashtag shut it all down in, in Namibia. And all of this, it, it just reminded me of a beautiful quote by my friend Fanon. He's. Each generation must, out of relative obscurity, discover its mission, fulfill it or betray it. One sees the use of social media in this way as the, as the discovery of the mission of young Africans towards fulfilling the long lamented Africa that we want to see.
1: So while we see the definite benefits of social media through the reflection you've just made and its positive effects, including its important influence on the civic space, activism and protest action. Social media, like any other tool, has its downside and can be open to abuse. Um, This is abuse that can be on the part of the state's the users of social media themselves and even the hosts of these platforms. What have been some of the shortcomings
0: of social media as a space for activism and protest, in your opinion? Um, I mean, there are downsides to the use of social media as a platform for protest and activism. You know, one can make a reflection on the rise of fake news, where the ease and speed of communication and sharing of information on social media has led to uh, the publishing of fake and unverified materials. Not only do we see the rise of fake news and misinformation from social media users, but also social media has been used by states as a platform to publish propaganda and repress critical voices through internet shutdowns and the attempt to regulate the use of social media in a repressive manner. The perpetuation of propaganda and misinformation on the part of the state is seen clearly as and and Zimbabwe, where there have been inaccurate reports published about the true number of casualties in clashes between these states and their citizens, as well as misrepresentation regarding the state's true intention in mediation of tension that led to protest action. Also, we, we, we have seen the incitement of violence and abuse of human rights and increasing tolerance through the use of social media platforms, bringing Into question issues of ethical use and regulation of these platforms. Um, which brings into question, you know, ethical use and and regulation of these platforms. We we saw this prominently in the case of Julius Malema, where he made assertions to kill the Bua from a popular South African struggle song, which he published on Facebook. And what was interesting was that Facebook did not take down Julius Malema's post in the interest of what they call public interest, while the African court found him guilty of hate speech. And also Terry Roan, the inequalities that exist offline in terms of equality of attention and access are also perpetuated online. We have seen this with the amplification of popular voices and the rural urban divide, where prominent voices in the urban areas own the narrative around popular protests, and leaving others behind. A case in point, we saw during Fees Must Fall in South Africa where protest action at Beds University, at the University of Cape Town, at the University of Pretoria received more attention than protests occurring in in other parts of, of, of the country. As we conclude today's episode, I would
1: like to find out what your parting reflections are on the use of social media in this way. And if you see the use of social media becoming the main form of protest on the continent?
0: Um, I mean, there's no denying the benefits and advances provided by social media as a political tool and as a platform for activism and protest and uh, However, we we have seen social media being used as a double-edged sword where one side is a platform for amplification, protection, and lobbying for rights. Yet, we have also seen this platform being used to violate this very same right. We have witnessed the rise of misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda, as I mentioned, perpetuated by states and users of social media alike. And so... I think it's important then for social media users to to verify information that they publish on these platforms to avoid perpetuating misinformation and disinformation. Um, just case in point, in recent times we saw in Nigeria the video that sparked the hashtag NSARS movement was in fact fake and, and similar incidents have also occurred on other parts of the continent. So I think it's very important uh, for social media users us to to verify information before they share it. Also, in our our use of social media as activists, it's important for us to do so responsibly and for us to truly adopt a hybrid nature to our activism where we don't neglect the ability to organize and participate offline as vigorously as we do online. I think you know of this critique that's out there that social media protest is lazy because we are hiding behind Behind our screens. So I think um, we shouldn't neglect the ability to organize and participate offline as we vigorously do online. While we recognize the expansion of the civic space provided by social media, we acknowledge the important role this platform plays. We must be mindful of our participation so that we also don't leave democracy at the doorsteps of, of technology. I mean, the largest thing social media has made possible, again, is access. Access to spaces that are ordinarily unreachable, hence the repeated internet shutdowns across the continent. Whenever young people are observed to be making some headway, in making a chosen plight known. Access to spaces that are ordinarily unreachable, hence the, the repeated internet shutdowns across the continent. Um, despite there being a cost factor attached to internet shutdowns, governments would rather suffer economic laws rather than allow for diverging voices and opinions to circulate. And lastly, the propagation of the herd mentality cannot be ignored as a negative effect of social media in activism. Despite social media Um, democratizing the space Uh, within that there are still voices that have been taken as the authorities within the social media space whose opinions are not challenged and when they are challenged the debate uh, degenerates to insults and cancelling you know the cancel culture that, that is prominent on social media and so because of such shortcomings oppressive governments have routinely found a lifeline in such personalities who then wash down vibrant activism and and commentary. I'll I'll end there, Tariro. Thank you. Thank you, Bonolo, for those reflections.
1: It's a call to mindful use of our activism on social media, but also not denying the definite benefits that social media has in this space. Thank you so much for your reflections and for joining us on today's episode. has been africa rights talk join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore other human rights issues